Hello, I'm Father Dan Serratori from the St. Benedict's Catholic Community in Burwood, Melbourne, and welcome to our podcast. We hope you're blessed by this homily recorded at our Sunday Mass. May it enrich you and may it inspire you to embrace more fully the love, the life, and the mission of Jesus. Enjoy. Two weeks ago, we began a conversation about heaven, a conversation that we uh, don't have nearly enough. If you missed it, I encourage you to jump on the podcast or on our YouTube channel and and go back and and have a listen. Uh, It seemed to be helpful for a number of people. My basic message was that Jesus believed in heaven and we should too. John Lennon uh, famously suggested that we should imagine there's no heaven, right? But Jesus encouraged the exact opposite. His teachings were constantly pointing towards the promise of heaven. He wanted to help his disciples to develop a vision for it, to think about heaven, to desire it, to make it the overarching goal of their lives. And so my encouragement in part one of this conversation a few weeks ago, was to work on your vision of heaven. I wonder how that's going. Examine the evidence. Reflect on the metaphors. Take time to notice how even now you can taste something of the vibe of heaven. You see, the stronger our vision of heaven, the greater impact it has on our life now. That's what I want to reflect a little bit on today. I want to offer three examples, three ways that heaven impacts our life now. Here's the first point. Heaven gives us proper perspective so that we can actually enjoy our life. I remember in my early adult years, uh, that was the time when I really started to dream about my future, Uh, you know, what I wanted to experience, what I wanted to achieve. Uh, And like most young men and and some older men, uh, I I had a point to prove. I mean, I wasn't fully conscious of it at the time, but I needed to make my mark on the world. I needed to validate my existence. I needed to earn people's respect and love and affection. And that meant that I put a great deal of importance on what I did and what I had and how I compared to others around me. Because I'd placed so much value on all of these things, there was a lot of pressure on me to to get them right, right, to succeed. All of that pressure over time, as you can imagine, not only provoked my anxiety, but it also prevented me from enjoying the very things I was doing. I was working so hard to get them right. All of my value, all of my importance was in them. I think this is an experience that is common to many of us, young and old, the pressure of trying to get it all right. Think of the many decisions and the many goals 
that we place great importance on in life. Choosing the right course in the right uni, finding the right person to date and then to marry, making all the right decisions as parents, getting the right job, buying the right house in the right neighbourhood, <laughs> investing your money at the right time and in the right place and on and on and on. We, you know, these decisions and goals, of course they're important, right? And, and of course we want to, uh, you know, do our best to, uh, to make good choices and, and, and to really, um, you know, make the most and to work towards those goals. But here's the thing. When we don't have a strong vision for heaven, we can easily exaggerate the importance of all this stuff. These goals and achievements can actually become our heaven. They become the source of our hope. And this is when they also become problematic. St. James today in the second reading, he's instructing the early Christians and he says, where do these wars and battles between yourselves first start? Isn't it precisely in the desires fighting inside your own selves? You want something and you haven't got it, so you are prepared to kill. You have an ambition you cannot satisfy, so you fight to get your way by force. What James is saying is that when our ambition becomes our ultimate value, when it isn't grounded in God, then it not only causes jealousy and unhealthy competition and conflict with others, but it also puts a pressure on us that we're not supposed to carry. When all of our goals and achievements become the, 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 the emphasis of our life and, and the thing that we place our ultimate importance and value on, it, it, it distorts our lives in all kinds of ways. It's, James uses this, this imagery of it, it creates wars within ourselves, conflict within us. You see, James is recognising here that no amount of money, no job, no marriage can possibly satisfy the insatiable hunger of our souls. Only heaven can do that. St. James's solution is simply to submit ourselves and all of our ambition to God. Get a vision for a life that is bigger than ourselves. Get a vision of, the, of heaven. See the bigger picture, St. James says to us, so that you can uh, understand everything in your life in its proper perspective. You can place importance, ultimate importance, in the right things. I found myself over the years that the more I've been able to live my life with a consciousness of heaven, the more peace I've experienced, the more uh, effective and fruitful I've become in life. It's not that I've stopped pursuing my dreams. It's not that I, 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 I stopped um, trying to do my best in life, put my best foot forward. It's just that 
in the view of heaven, as I become more conscious of the bigger picture, uh, I've gained a new perspective. I've realised what's ultimately important in my life. I came to see that I was putting uh, so much value in things that were actually not the main thing, but just stepping stones to the main thing. Have you ever had that experience in life where um, at the time you thought it was the end of the world? You thought, oh my God, this is just tragic. I will never get over this. It's the worst thing ever, right? And it might be something, you know, significant. But then months later, or, or perhaps years later, you look back and you think, oh, actually, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> you had that experience? Oh, look, I, I think... My suspicion is that that will be the most common reaction when we finally make our way through those pearly gates and we say hi to St Peter and we get into heaven. I think that'll be the most common reaction we have. In the light of heaven, we'll look back and we'll think to ourselves, oh, wow. You know, all that stuff I was stressing about, all those things I was trying to get perfect, all those arguments that caused me to lose my peace really weren't as critical, weren't as important as I thought they were. You see, heaven gives us proper perspective. And as we grow our vision of heaven, we can start to actually live in that perspective now. We can start attributing the right amount of value and importance to the right things. The second way that heaven impacts our life now is that it it gives us the will and the strength to do great things. Today we heard in the gospel, Jesus' disciples, they're arguing on the road. And and by the way, they weren't arguing about which road to take. What were they arguing about? Who was the greatest? The exact thing that St. James is talking about here. You know, the wars that come from unhealthy uh, ambition. That was going on with the disciples. They were arguing about who is the greatest. And so, of course, Jesus sees this as a, a, a teaching moment. And, and he, he, he is one of the children nearby. He, he gives the child a hug. You know, the children, of course, at that time were, were considered the least, you know, the least important. So he gives the child a hug. And then he says, if anyone wants to be first... If anyone wants to be truly great, he must make himself last of all and servant of all. You see, for Jesus, greatness is not about being better than others. It's not about having more than others. It's not about having influence over others. Greatness is about humble generous service. It's about loving others in extraordinary kinds of ways. You know, it's interesting. Some people say that uh, religion is just for those who are weak, that we, we've created God to fill in the gaps in our lives, that, that God is just a projection of our fears and our desires. But The problem with that idea is that it just doesn't marry up with the Christian story. Because when we look through uh, the generations of our church, what we find are men and women who have lived with heroic 
generosity in the face of the challenges that, of their time. We find men and women who did extraordinary things in the name of love. Yeah, they may have been weak, but they still live with an incredible generosity and courage and hope. I've been reading a book uh, recently talking about the, the rise of Christianity in the first few centuries. Uh, you know, uh, even before it became a, a religion of the empire, uh, Christianity just was growing in, in rapidly, rapidly, in a very short period of time. And one of the reasons that the author points to for this growth was an epidemic in the third century which spread through the Roman Empire. They think it could have been measles. And uh, at the time, uh, they estimate between a quarter and, and, and a third of the population died. A bishop at the, at the time wrote, he said, Out of the blue came this disease, a thing more frightening than any disaster whatever. We can... Imagine now, can't we, <laughs> something of what that must have been like for them. But what was so amazing was how the Christians responded to this situation. You see, they didn't have a cure at the time. They didn't have any vaccinations, anything like that. But what the people did know about this, this, this uh, virus was that it spread through contact, right? The same as COVID. And so the pagan people, knowing that, they fled from the cities, where, of course, there was a high density of people. They fled also from their families. They pushed the sick away. Even people in their families who had the virus were pushed out onto the street before they died. But the Christians, they stuck around in the cities. Although many of them died in the process, they stayed to look after the sick and they didn't only look after the Christians who were sick, but they also looked after the pagans who were sick. They made sure that they had food and water, that they had a proper burial for those who had died. And it was that simple care, that simple act of love that prevented many others from dying. And in the process that care of the Christians gave the pagans a very real taste of heaven. It was that, that extraordinary uh, generosity of the Christians that opened many hearts at that time to the love of Christ. The key question for us is that what, what enabled these Christians to respond so differently to the pagans? Were they... I don't know, superhuman, uh, you know, extraordinary uh, uh, humans, all these Christians? Was there something particularly special about them? The reason why they were able to respond so unusually uh, was that they'd had, of course, a vision of heaven. That was their secret. They were convinced that this life was just a short entree. They knew that death could do nothing to them but to take them to a much greater glory. You see, when the beauty of heaven dawns upon us, when it overwhelms our mind and our hearts, 
not only are we able to face anything in life, but we're able to live in such a way that makes heaven more real to us now. The third impact that our vision of heaven has on our life now is that it brings radical clarity to our life. And this is perhaps the most important point. You see, once we're captured by a vision of heaven, it becomes very clear how we should spend our energy and our resources and our time. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is that how we live now really matters. The heaven that we're going to experience in the future is connected to the heaven that we make present here and now. You see, spirituality really is about learning how to live now in such a way that we make present the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the vibe of heaven, whatever you want to call it. We make that present now in our everyday life. For me, this is one of the strongest reasons, the most important reasons why it's important for us to be an active member in our church community. You see, it's not possible to learn how to make heaven present. We, we, we can't learn that in, in a book. We can't learn it uh, watching YouTube videos. We can't even learn it really going to Mass once a week. If we want to really open ourselves to the vibe of heaven, we need to do the work of spirituality. We need to learn how to receive the love of God into our lives. We need to learn how to discern and to surrender ourselves to God's will. We need to learn how to grow in life-giving relationships. We need to live, learn how to live with the heart and the generosity of Jesus. This only really happens when we're doing it together, when we pray and when we learn and when we share our lives with one another, we create, we, we manifest, we welcome the presence of heaven around us. And it's that presence, it's, it's that vibe of heaven which gradually transforms our hearts and enriches our lives and enables us to do unusually extraordinary things. So that even now, even now, we can begin living on earth as it is in heaven. You can find reflection questions for this homily at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash homily. Thanks for joining us today and have a great week.